the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you for joining me today. It's Tuesday, March the 1st, 2022, in the year of our Lord. Today in 1815, Napoleon, having escaped exile in Alba, the the island, he arrived in Cannes, France. He headed for Paris to begin his infamous 100 Days Rule. There's a lot of story behind that. It's kind of an interesting story. We won't get into that today, but nonetheless, he started all that today in 1815. Today in 1867, Nebraska became the 37th state. Today in 1893, inventor Nikola Tesla first uh, publicly demonstrated radio during a meeting of the National Electric Light Association in St. Louis. He transmitted electromagnetic energy without wires. You may know the name Tesla not because he first um, demonstrated how a radio works, but you see his electric cars running all over the place, except they aren't his. But Elon Musk has taken his name and put it on the electric car. Today in 1932, Charles Lindbergh, Jr., the 20-month-old son of Charles and Ann Lindbergh was kidnapped from the family home near Hopewell, New Jersey. It gripped the nation. Uh, went on for a, a long time. His The child's remains were found the following May. It's a very sad story. Today in 1954, four Puerto Rican nationalists opened fire from the Spectators Gallery. The U.S. House of Representatives wounded five members of Congress. Today in 1969, this is probably more for me than you, but indulge me. Today in 1969, Mickey Mantle announced his retirement from baseball. Mickey Mantle was my favorite baseball player as a kid. I don't know why. I didn't know about his personal life. It was kind of sketchy. He was had a problem with alcohol, among other issues. But I just liked him. Thought he was a great baseball player. And Remember those baseball cards? I think they still have them, but we used to collect those as kids, and they were they came with bubble gum. The bubble gum was terrible, but loved those cards. So me and my friends, when I was a kid growing up, we had those cards, and uh, I had a whole bunch of them. Um, I had baseball, but I also had later I got football, and then I had some basketball cards. But I had a ton of baseball cards just trading and every time I got a couple of nickels I'd buy some gum with baseball cards in them anyway in the Mickey Mantle was my favorite baseball player in the day I would try to get as many Mickey Mantle baseball cards as I could had these picture on it you know you remember those anyway as it turned out I ended up with a couple of Mickey Mantle rookie cards which were really important but not valuable at that time. So fast forward, Marjorie and I get married. We are living in Yakima at first, and then we move to Seattle, to Kirkland, actually, and then to Bellevue. But um, I, I left a few things at home. I lived with my mom and dad until 
I got married, we had a good relationship. And and so I just lived at home until I was married. And so anyway, I left a few things at mom and dad's house when Margie and I moved to Seattle. And so sometime later, probably within the year, we're back visiting my parents. And I said, hey, mom, I said, uh, by the way, I want to get those baseball cards and take them with me. I said, you know, they're in a shoebox. And she goes, yeah, I, yeah, I, I know what they are. She said, well, Gary, she said, I thought I thought you didn't want those anymore. So I, I got rid of those. I said, what do you mean got rid of them? She said, well, I just put them in the trash. They're gone. Oh, my. There were two rookie cards in there. And at some point, now, mine were a little dog-eared because I'd carried them around in my back pocket. They weren't, you know, prime, but they were rookie cards of Mickey Mantle. There was a time when those in good shape were selling for $8,000 each. I loved my mom, but, oh, mom, what were you thinking? Anyway, she thought they were just something from my past that I didn't want anymore. Maybe that's what they should have been. I don't know. But anyway, I loved my mom. Today, in 1971, a bomb went off inside the men's room at the U.S. Capitol. Radical group Weather Underground, they claimed responsibility for the blast. The founder of Weather Underground, as you may recall, launched Barack Obama's political career with a fundraiser in his home in Chicago. Today, in 2020, health officials in Washington state announcing what was believed at the time to be the second U.S. death from coronavirus. The first, I think, was in New York. The first death, not the first case. The first case was in Seattle, was actually in on the east side. But um, the officials announced that they believed it was the second U.S. death from the coronavirus, said the virus may have been circulating for weeks undetected in the Seattle area. And 10 years ago today, online publisher, conservative blogger, Andrew Breitbart died in Los Angeles at the age of 43. Breitbart News continues. It's one of the formidable conservative news organizations. I pay attention to what they publish and millions of others do as well. There's a sad story. I I mentioned it for a reason that's coming out of, I think it's Sacramento, out of California. Police received calls about shots fired about 5 p.m. yesterday. The police arrived at a church on the east side of Sacramento to find five people dead. The five deceased individuals was a father, his three daughters, and a chaperone who was with the daughters. He was there to pick up his daughters. He and his wife were estranged, and he was there to pick them up for a visit. That is a heartbreaking story to anyone. It's horrible. Five dead at a church. The reason I mention this is one, it is, we live in such a broken world. But secondly, California has a red flag law, universal background checks on assault weapons, ban 
high-capacity magazine ban, a 10-day waiting period on gun purchases, a limit on the number of guns a law-abiding citizen can buy each month, a good cause requirement for concealment carry permit issuance, a ban on campus carry for self-defense, a ban on K-12 teachers being armed for classroom defense, and numerous other controls on ammunition, including background checks before you can even buy ammunition for guns. You almost cannot have more anti-gun laws. My point is they don't work because it isn't about law-abiding citizens and it's not about guns. It's about sin. It's about brokenness. It's about people. And if they can't use guns, people that are intent on hurting others and themselves, in this case, they will find another way. We can ban ourselves out of business, banning guns and knives and sharp sticks that we might pick up in the forest, whatever it is, we cannot control broken people doing bad things. Only God can change the heart and the behavior of an individual. And yet, while we are banning guns to death, we are dismissing God as though he doesn't even matter in the culture. And that's the problem. It is. It can be kind of hopeless sometimes. We look around us. I'm reminded of Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence. It has great recompense of reward. Don't become discouraged. Be informed. Be aware. Know what's going on. An uninformed person is most miserable. And it isn't pleasing to the Lord that his people not be informed. But don't allow the information to cause you to become hopeless. Because it isn't, our hope is not built on what's happening in the culture. Our hope is not built on who's in the White House. Oh, it's far better to have some than others in the White House. But that's not the ultimate, not the ultimate conclusion. It is God himself who is control of all things. Nothing can happen that God does not allow. And God is in all is in control and God has a plan and we are walking in that plan. America is in that plan whether they know it or not. So is Russia and Ukraine and Africa and, and all the world. He's got the whole world in his hands. God's in control. Keep that in mind while we talk about today a little bit about tonight. Tonight, President Biden is going to try to make the best of his failing presidency. It's a presidency that that even his own political party and the mainstream news are now starting to back away from. They don't want to be associated with it. They're looking for someone else to lead the left. I'm hearing that and reading that in a lot of sources. I mean, they're talking even to Hillary Clinton. That's how desperate they are. In his best rendition, Charles Dickens, Charles Dickens, 
The president would tell you that some think these are the worst of times, but actually he's going to be telling you tonight in the State of the Union, no, 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 these aren't the worst of times. These are the best of times. It's all a matter of perspective. I want to talk to you about this because I I would like people to listen through the lens of reality to what our president will say tonight. And I kind of know what he's going to say because they have released parts of his speech. So I want to talk to you a little bit about that. But I mentioned Charles Dickens in his Tale of Two Cities. It's a pretty famous quote. Most of us have heard it or said it ourselves. But he wrote in his Tale of Two Cities, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was the epoch of belief. It was the epoch of incredulity. It was the season of light. It was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. I mentioned yesterday ABC's George Stephanopoulos. He asked White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki on, on Sunday on the This Week show, He said to Saki, she's the press secretary, he said the president is approaching his State of the Union in a pretty difficult political position right now. He said 37% approval rating, Democrats trailing badly in the midterm polling, a majority in our recent poll out this morning, he said this morning would have been Sunday morning. Even he said question the president's mental capacity. How is he going to turn this around? Saki's preview of what to expect at Biden's speech tonight shows how delusional this administration really is. They will tell you these are the best of times because success is just ahead. I'm a positive guy. In fact, I when I was traveling more and speaking a lot, as well as not only in the church but other places, and sometimes I would be asked to give motivational talks like it Rotary in different places, spoke at their convention, state convention one year. I believe in motivation. I believe in being hopeful and being positive. I do. I believe God would want us to do that, but not being in denial. And these guys are in denial, at least publicly. She assured the president that he will speak, uh, or Stephanopoulos, that the president will speak to the issues but more importantly, she said, quote, he's also going to speak about his optimism about what's ahead and what we all have to look forward to. Well, we want an optimistic president. She said leaders, <laughs> and ABC News put this out on their uh, Twitter account. She said leaders lead during crisis. And that's exactly what President Biden is doing. She said he'll speak to that. But he's going to speak about his optimism about what's ahead and what we all have to look forward to. What exactly do we have to look forward to under a Biden presidency or any other far left, but especially a Biden presidency with the impairment, the obvious impairment that our president has personally? The president warned a few months ago He told us several times. I heard it. I saw the video. He said, we all should prepare for a winter of darkness. Are we coming out of that winter of darkness? Are these worst of times now becoming the best of times? 
Some of President Biden's strongest supporters, the people who have helped him get elected, are now pushing back on his presidency, and they're doing so very publicly. Associated Press on Monday, yesterday, the centerpiece of the establishment media diagnosed the president's State of the Union as, I'm quoting, this is Associated Press, not Breitbart, rife with disunity and division. One day before Biden was set to deliver the State of the Union address, which he will do tonight, the Associated Press preempted his speech with an article describing the actual state of the country as one of disunity, funk, and peril. <laughs> AP slammed Biden for his leadership during a time when the nation's strength is, I'm quoting them, strength is being sharply tested from within and now from afar. AP slammed his State of the Union as weak, hinting that he should not declare when he comes out tonight, he should not make the statement, quote, the state of our union is strong. The reason they wrote that in their piece yesterday, I mean, I was shocked. I thought, is this a, a scam that somebody put out and just put Associated Press on it? Because they have been, to a fault, loyal to this man. I mean, like his own PR firm. I've watched very carefully. And I mean, others have as well. But every time it's kind of um, traditional for the president to come out on his State of the Union address, and the first thing they say when they start their speech is the state of our union is strong. And the Associated Press yesterday, they're read around the world, they said they hoped he doesn't come out tonight and say that because it's not true. (laughs) They said, quote, it's a state of exhaustion from the pandemic. It's about feeling gouged at the grocery store and gas pump. It's so low that some Americans, including prominent ones, are exalting Russian President Vladimir Putin in his attack on a democracy. This is Associated Press. They drew comparisons with Jimmy Carter's time in office when Carter said the nation was in the midst of a crisis of confidence. And I'll come back to that crisis of confidence in a moment. But they went on to point out these are some of the highlights of their, some of the notations of their uh, article yesterday. I mean, it, it was stunning. It's true, but I was surprised at their truthfulness. They said only 29% of Americans think the nation is on the right track. In December's AP Norick poll, most said economic conditions are poor and inflation has hit them on food and, and gas. Most Americans are vaccinated against COVID-19, but Debates over masks and mandates have torn apart communities and families. Consumer prices over the past 12 months jumped 7.5%, the highest since 1982, as many pay raises were swallowed up. Their raise is gone. Measures of happiness. Have you noticed? I mean, we've all noticed that. You go to the grocery store, what used to cost, you know, $2 costs $4 now. I mean, it's like good grief. Even the checkout clerks kind of apologize when they ring you up. I mean, it's very noticeable, this inflation thing, at the grocery store and at the gas station. But anyway, they, they, they go on. These are their points that they make, the Associated Press. Consumer prices over the past 12 months jumped 7.5%, the highest since 1982. Measures of happiness have hit a bottom, with fewer Americans saying they are very happy in 2021 general social survey 
that ever before in five decades of asking that question, 50 years of asking that question, it's the lowest now. AP, who helped elect him, says these are terrible metrics for Biden, which speak to the challenges his party will face come the November midterms. Then they, there's this, it's a long article, but then they say this, 56% of Americans say Biden's first year in office was a failure. That's according to a NPR uh, poll. 58% say Biden's America is worse off than they were one year ago. That's a Fox poll. Another 50% believe they have less money in their pockets. That's another Fox poll. Then AP, AP Associated Press says this. In Biden's first year as president, inflation has increased to a 40-year high. Supply chain woes have continued. More than 2 million migrants have been apprehended at the southern border and released. They don't say that part, but it, they have been for the most part into America. Gas prices have risen by $1 since last year, that would be per gallon. Fentanyl has become the greatest killer among 18 to 45-year-olds. Weekly wages have tanked, and the deadly Afghan withdrawal uh, deeply embarrassed the nation. They continue. Meanwhile, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, CDC, announced on Friday it's dropping indoor mask mandates, (laughs) just in time for President Biden's State of the Union address on Tuesday. That would be today, Tuesday. Despite no change, if you just tuned in, I'm reading from Associated Press, not Fox News or Breitbart or Daily Caller or whatever. They say, despite no change in the science or coronavirus transmission, senators, representatives, and those in the gallery will no longer be required to wear a mask. The mask requirement being dropped just days before Biden's speech reportedly coincides with his strategy to suggest that he has once again defeated coronavirus. Well, that's exactly what he's going to do today. He's going to suggest, in a sort of a boastful way, that he has led the nation, as promised. He said he would if they elected him, and they did. And he will now tonight declare, in some way, that he has defeated coronavirus and led us out of the wilderness of that virus. And you can look around. The proof of that is we don't have to wear our masks anymore. On July 15, 1979, President Jimmy Carter gave a televised address to the nation. In that address, he declared that our country was experiencing, quote, a crisis of confidence. He said the date was meaningful to him in that three years earlier to that day, he had accepted his party's nomination for the presidency. He said it's clear that the true problems of our nation are much deeper, deeper than gasoline lines or energy shortages deeper than inflation or recession. And he said, I realize more than ever, I need your help, he told the American people. And then he followed that up. I remember it well. He followed it up with this listening thing that, I mean, went on for weeks. Anyway, he said, the erosion of our confidence in the future is threatening to destroy the social and political fabric of America. It is the idea which founded our nation and has guided our development as a people. Confidence in the future has supported everything else. He proceeded to list a number of issues facing America at the time, not unlike those that we're facing today. Same thing. But he concluded his lengthy speech, and sometimes wondering, but not a bad speech. It was typically Jimmy Carter. 
by reaffirming that our future depends on our confidence in ourselves. That's partially true. We must have confidence in ourselves, but it's only partially true. Confidence is key, but confidence misplaced is a fool's folly. Within months, Jimmy Carter would be replaced by President Ronald Reagan. Tonight, you will hear a less contrite, a more boastful version of the same thing. The president will likely admit to the obvious deepening problems, or as we say, the elephant in the room. (laughs) I mean, you can't miss it. There's a myriad of problems on most fronts, but the emphasis tonight will be on his promises to lead the country out of those Trump-caused problems. In the same way, he has now led us out of the era of coronavirus, as he promised if we would elect him. National confidence cannot be restored until we return to the principles of our founding fathers embraced in creating this exceptional nation, and it is an exceptional nation. Patrick Henry said, an appeal to arms and the God of hosts is all that is left to us as they faced Great Britain. But we shall not fight our battle alone. Oh, that's not confidence in ourselves. That's confidence in God. There is a just God that presides over the destinies of nations, Patrick Henry said. The battle, sir, is not to the strong alone. It is, is life so dear or peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery? Forbid it, almighty God. I know not what course others may take, but as for me... Give me liberty or give me death. His confidence was such that he was willing to die for the cause, but his confidence was not based on Pat's ability to gin up his confidence. Patrick Henry's confidence was based on God, not on our ability to fight the battle. He said an appeal to arms and the God of hosts is all that's left to us. Otherwise, we're going to lose this thing. And that's where America is today. Some years later at the Gettysburg Address, Abraham Lincoln said, This nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom. I'm believing, I'm praying for a new birth of freedom in America. I believe in America. But we've got to be careful we don't misplace our hope, our trust. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 20, verse 7, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Chariots and horses represent material and human assets. While these represent things that are useful in daily life, we must have. They don't give us the security in times of trouble. If we place our trust in the things or possessions or wealth or dominance or whatever, the brilliance of Joe Biden or whatever, we'll find that eventually that gives way beneath us. Verse 8 of Psalm 20 tells us that those who trust in the chariots and the horses, so to speak, will be brought to their knees and fall. But those who trust in God will rise up and stand firm. Jeremiah 17.7 says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. And Hebrews tells us not to cast away, therefore, our confidence. It is in the Lord. Thank you for your support of this ministry. We, uh, You are the reason. 
you are the support that allows us to be on the radio every day. Thank you so much. If it weren't for you, I wouldn't be here. So thank you. Our address is Box 399 Bellevue 98009. I'll see you right here tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.